What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, it's your host, Charles, and today we've got a really exciting one for you. Uh, I've had Daniel on before, it wasn't too long ago, actually, uh, to talk about the progression of the industry, early days of Bitcoin, uh, and I decided to have him back on because he's actually been posting a bunch of tweets, all hashtagged opvile. Uh, and he's teaching you how to beef up your OPSEC, uh, teaching you how to kind of take control back as the government is pushing for more regulation and trying to take your freedoms away from you. Uh, so in this episode, we're going to be going over some of the tweets, how you can kind of secure yourself online and then take back some of that power. But before we do that, just want to go over a couple things. The first is that this is another video interview. If you want to watch Daniel as he speaks, you can head over to YouTube. Uh, there's a link in the description below. And then the second thing is I do want to give a quick shout out to the sponsor, Crypto.com. These guys have been killing it. Uh, two big things I do want to talk about. The first is that MCO Visa credit card that I always talk about. There's a link in the description. I highly suggest you guys apply for this card. Uh, you can spend your crypto and then you also can earn up to 5% cash back on all purchases, 10% cash back on grocery purchases, and then 20% cash back on food delivery. It's a wonderful card. It's got some great benefits. Uh, and then the second thing is their fundraising platform. The syndicate is doing another token sale. Uh, this time it's for <clears throat> this time it's for Bitcoin uh, and how it works is you for this one you don't need to be staking CRO you can just sign up and get 50% off Bitcoin uh, they're pooling funds up to a million dollars worth so whatever you contribute uh, within that million you will get half off the price of Bitcoin uh, again link in the description below you can go read all about it but uh, Bitcoin has been soaring lately, and uh, this is a perfect opportunity to get some cheap Bitcoin if you've missed it. Now, let's get into the episode with Daniel. Uh, so, Daniel, we had you on not too long ago. I think it was two, three weeks ago. Maybe even less than that, actually. Um, sorry, I, I've been so all over the place with just, like, being busy and shit. Uh, but no, no background on yourself. We talked about that last time. Uh, can you just give us some updates on what you've been up to since then? Yeah, so I've been uh, working on a couple of different software projects and then also a public education thread on under the hashtag of OpVile, which is teaching people understanding operational security as well as obtaining devices to be used uh, for later dates and times for things. And I say things uh, in a way that basically illustrates that it shouldn't matter what you need the device for. It's just the fact of having it there, right? So, like, right now, it's about utilizing the fact that this is the first time or first time in a long time where it's socially acceptable for you to be completely covered up in public, right? Even in Halloween in this nation, you can't do that. But right now, you can, and no one bats an eyelash. So it's important to understand that while all of this is going on, our liberties and freedoms are going to slowly be restricted. And what I'm trying to do is teach people to understand the tools available to them and not in a sense of like, just know of them, but like actually teaching them how to use them so that whenever they have to rely on them, they're not stuck trying to Google something at three 
four o'clock in the fucking morning in a dire straits scenario. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of that better to have it and not need it than not have it and need it at some point. Um, so you've been posting about it a lot on Twitter. I've been getting stoked on it, trying to share it when I see it. Uh, do you Appreciate think? That, we, by the way. Yeah, of course, man. I, I feel like this this um, information is very essential, especially with the times that we are going through right now. You're you're definitely correct in saying that our liberties are kind of being reduced. You can see the government starting to overstep uh, in some ways already. And I think this is just the beginning. I feel like you kind of think the same way, right? Oh yeah, it's just the beginning. I mean, right now you got Google and Apple working together on phone tracking and people tracking. I mean, it's not like it wasn't already there, but it's going to be at a much larger scale now. And so where things are going to get dangerous is when this is all over, is that information going to become, uh, you know, who's going to own it as well as whether or not that will be disabled. And as we all know, just like everything that's supposed to be temporary, like TSA and everything else, nothing is temporary. Once you give someone control, they constantly have it. No, use it and abuse it. Exactly. It kind of will continue on after this, even after we, I don't, I don't think we need a lot of it as is right now. Uh, I think people are being overly cautious, but let's, for the sake of argument, say, okay, we do need this kind of stuff right now. This is fine. It'll be over with eventually, and then it'll go back to normal. It's generally not the case. It's never the case. Once you give, <laughs> once you give a government under any, any author, you know, any authoritative figure, extra privilege over you they never give it back i mean look at tsa like literally if you look at tsa when you go to fly it's the only time besides being arrested that you have to strip down that much and turn over all your shit for someone else to look at right it's it's pretty crazy and, and everyone thought that would go away eventually uh but that is definitely not the case and now i think it's kind of just become the norm but at the time that was very very odd um you know the changes that were put into place younger generations like my myself who are not really aware of what were going on or what was going on at the time uh it's kind of just like the new normal and i think that the younger generation now that's having these kind of liberties taken away from them it's just going to become the new normal which i think is extremely sad but you you've been putting out i i don't know how many tweets or how many days it's been now uh, but I was wondering if we could maybe go through each of those tweets and maybe get into a little bit of a further discussion for people who maybe miss them on Twitter. Yeah, sure. So day one was obtaining a device that was untraceable. So meaning a burner phone, burner laptop. And what I mean by that is like wood chipper devices, things that when you may or may not need them to ever be discovered, you can discard them in a wood chipper or beach, whatever. Uh, Walmart right now, and, and you gotta love this, they have three cell phones that do not have GPS in any way, shape, or form, Android operating system, and they're available for roughly about 30 bucks. Now they're flip phones, uh, and there's also one that's a, a like a, a complete touchscreen that also doesn't have any of those features. And you can obtain SIM cards. And uh, I also described obtaining like a debit card and obtaining a laptop, things like that. So the reason that's important is, is that you can get this cash out from another ATM or however you may obtain cash. That's not my not my uh, fucking problem to deal with on how you got money, but literally use that to obtain ways to behave in a digital sense, maybe even use to keep yourself protected. Maybe you have a family member that's in a country that literally our nation wants to listen in on every conversation you have that who's, it's not their fucking responsibility to do it, but they do it. They overstep your liberty. So having devices like that are 
able to allow you to communicate without compromise to some level, right? But the way you obtain them typically in today's time is cameras everywhere. Right now, during this COVID outbreak, it's you know one of the only few times where you can, walk you can in. go wear gloves yeah. and a face mask and goggles and and a, and a hat and and not wear the same clothes you've worn into the facility again. And no one knows who you are. You can even change the way you walk so that it throws off any pattern recognition that they have. And see, that's important. That's why I also noted in that tweet, you know, about <clears throat> you know not taking cash out at that location about you know, doing things outside of camera view, parking somewhere else. So there's no traceability to you while people will claim and leaving your cell phone at home, by the way, your primary, because that's as good as giving yourself away. But like people ask me, why do I need that? Hey, you may not need it. I don't know, but you may need it one day. Who, who's to say you don't? Who's to say that you aren't being pegged for, you know, not going to get your, uh, your vaccine, right? I mean, like, I know that sounds silly, but in some states, you know, they're really pushing for that stuff. And and you have to really look at it as to whether or not you choose to be a part of that system or if you're going to choose to be, you know, someone that's sovereign of that, right? And you really have to make that choice. And that's why I'm providing that information, especially in day one. It's important because you can obtain uh, prepaid debit cards with no tracing, prepaid cell phone, and a laptop. And you know, just because you obtain the laptop, you've got to understand your operational security with that and operational dangers, which is like Windows is a plague. Even Mac can be a plague because of all the, the tracking and ad software that they have that monitors users, things like that. You know, you want to switch to something like Linux and you want to make sure you understand what you're doing. And that's why I've been running this educational series just to teach people the understandings of what they need to know in order to behave safely or to not behave safely, but to understand the consequences of what they're doing and if they do it improperly there we go so would you recommend that everybody goes and does this and buys the phone fuck debit yeah. cards and laptop yeah like yeah why not i mean literally you may never use it but you got it yeah just to have it um yeah. it's getting back to that point where you can just walk in with you know goggles face mask glove fully clothed they will not be able to recognize you uh do you think that that is absolutely necessary like yes it's a precaution do you are are you in the mindset that people are watching these security cameras looking for 100%. yeah 100 i mean so walmart and alibaba had struck a deal for their online shipping but also alibaba's ai and facial recognition software runs on their cameras man like, and that's why I made an important note in that tweet, in, the, in that thread about like not wearing clothes you've worn into that location ever or to any location that they may be tracking. Because see, an identifiable t-shirt is just as dangerous as your fingerprint. Yeah. Because like, say, for example, you're in an area like this, there are certain shirts I have no else in this region has. <laughs> so like, yeah. no, they're like, oh, there's a bearded fuck with the WikiLeaks shirt. Yeah. We know that. Right? Like, <laughs> That's Daniel, of course. Know? Yeah. yeah. Whereas in California, nobody would even bat an eye like, oh, whatever, just some other bearded. Yeah, just... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, see, I, I'm pretty but, fortunate. But over here, you know, it's, it's different. And it's like, you have to also look at it from that perspective, right? And like a lot of mom and pop stores, are, are also cameraless and, and it's not like you're trying to be nefarious but the idea that you have to disclose so much information to obtain devices and things like that and just being on camera i have problems with like say for example i uh as a hypothetical here 
But say, for example, you're somebody who, who uh, you know, maybe a victim of domestic violence or anything, and you don't know who has access to the data. And you literally have to concern yourself with that. Like, say, for example, you have a restraining order against someone, and now all of a sudden that person maybe works for a firm or something, and they're snooping on that. Uh, or, or even better, you know, like uh, cell phone companies in some states allow for private investigators to request traffic MZ information on a particular user. Well, now all of a sudden this person's in danger. Sorry for the background noise. But no, like, it's okay. But um, literally think about it like that. Think about the, the perils of someone who may be in a state that allows for private investigators to look at that information. Now a private investigator, you can go get your private investigator's license over a weekend and turn around and be able to start querying against cell phone records and stuff like that. And without having to have a subpoena in some states. So it's very dangerous. Um, That's and, wild. You know, the, yeah, well, <laughs> that, I mean, again. Absolutely insane to me. But to think that it doesn't happen is to be naive. I mean, if you watch enough investigative discovery channel, you can find out there's some savage people that do this type of stuff. And while it seems like, okay, that's, you know, that's a rarity. Is it really a rarity for people to find out information on other people? No, that's what ad companies do. Another thing you can do if you're trying to target someone is if you know their IMEI or if you've been access to their phone at any point, you can sign them up to ad tracking software and turn around and be a subscriber to that ad company and find them and find out what they're doing. I mean, computers and computers on your phone, literally, because uh, that's where your phone is, is nothing more than, than a monitoring device. And so like, when you can get one that's not tied to your information and you can get one that's not paid with your known bank account information and things like that, at that moment, you have a little bit more freedom and you don't have to look over your shoulder if you're someone who is in that situation. Not to mention governments use them all the time to target people, even if it's for no reason. I mean, we know as well as anyone else that to think that like, especially people like me in the early days of BTC and others, government agencies were trying to find out everybody that was involved in everything. Yeah. Because the, the, the mindset was different, right? So right now on this COVID stuff uh, and people are under the guise of liberty and, or under the guise of security, they're helping you. Anytime we're willing to trade your freedoms and liberties <laughs> for the idea of security, you deserve neither. And, yeah. you know, like our forefathers said that for a reason. And, and it's important because you, you don't look at it the same way, you know, like and, and the EFF and others do a great job of like trying to educate people in ways that make sense to them. But, you know, like Eva, uh, Eva, sorry, from the EFF, she did a great thing about stalkerware uh, recently. And the thing about stalkerware is that there are other ways, even without software, that's installed directly to the device to be a stalker. And it's very dangerous because like someone like me, I've received several death threats over the last couple of years, well, actually over the last 11 years. And I've had people who have attempted to do very dirty things like SIM swapping, things like that, to try to figure out where I'm at, what I'm doing. And meanwhile, all of it is under the guise that they're going to rob me of my lucky charms. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> but think about it if you're not a target like that. Think about what if you're just a target of someone's obsession or even worse, law enforcement's trying to find you slipping even though you haven't really done anything. Yeah. See what I mean? See, you're, you're a little bit more of a high-profile guy in the industry. So a lot of people may think like, oh, you know, he's a target. I'm not a target. Uh, but that's, you know, one aspect of reasons people could be trying to target you. It's not just about because a lot of us in the crypto industry talk about, oh, you know, getting hacked, getting funds stolen, uh, people trying to find us. Uh, but there's other reasons for it, not just I'm trying to steal your Bitcoin. 
Yeah, what about they want to find out who you associate with, who you talk to via text, who you communicate with on a daily basis so they can build a profile of what type of other people, how valuable you are to gain access to, to open their doorway to other attacks. See, people don't look at that angle. Like, you know, like circumvention in the sense of like trying to obtain information from people is very valuable because who I know can be critical for someone else's grand plan to do something else. You see what I mean? Yeah, it's not only just you. It could be this bigger, bigger scheme as you're talking about. And then, yeah, with- like other people I talk to, like other hackers, things like that. Like people want to know who I communicate with. Well, I'm very, you know, I'm very quiet about a lot of the people that I communicate with for good reason. But like also, what if, you know, someone finds some of my contacts or they want to be able to determine who I talk to on a daily, weekly basis, that kind of stuff? Maybe they become a new target because maybe they're seen as higher uh, return on investment for the time. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And, and and people don't really consider those elements, but it's always good to be practically paranoid. But if you're going to be paranoid, do it the right way. Don't do it the wrong way or you might as well not do it at all. Yeah, 100%, which is, I want to get into a lot more of it. Uh, but just to kind of wrap that little tidbit up right there, it's like, again, you are a high profile person in the scheme of people trying to find you, find your network. That is like because you're a high profile person, but these steps that you can take will allow, you know, you to prevent the government from kind of overstepping their bounds. And I think that's where it applies to everybody, because I don't think anyone wants that to happen. So, you know, you have these burner phones, debit cards, laptops. That's just another way for you to kind of keep a little bit more private, be a little bit more secretive. Um, really quickly before we move on, actually, you said that Alibaba's AI face scanning stuff, software, sorry, runs on all of, runs through all of their, uh, security cameras. A lot. Yeah. So basically there was a deal struck a few years back about, uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence with Alibaba, Walmart, and some other, uh, national chains. There's been a few leaks here and there in regards to it, but, Again, some of that I may have been privy to because it was a conversation that I was involved with with uh, an associate of mine who in 2013 worked at Walmart Labs and they were talking about it then. Got it. Um, So I'm not sure of all the details that transpired after that, but Walmart definitely has uh, facial tracking software. You can actually look and visibly see that it does patterns because if you're ever at a Walmart checkout, you can see it starting to, to build lines and stuff association with like your stance, how you're walking, uh, even how your face is leaning, that kind of stuff, depending on what you're doing. Uh, so check out. So oh, yeah, wow. you can see that. <laughs> Insanity. Uh, I was going to ask if there are any other big chains that you know of that do this just for people to be aware of. Well, I mean, like obviously the Amazon stores do that. Uh, Amazon is obviously just uh, nothing more than a company when you buy from, whether you're in person or online, they, they just track whatever they can about you. <laughs> um, but the bigger chains that I know of, and I know that Costco was talking about it, I'm not 100% sure if it was ever implemented. Um, I just try my best to not support those types of companies when I can, just because, you know, big chains uh, literally kill small businesses, and yeah. especially in like rural America. They do like even, even here, the biggest show in town is Walmart, and they ran a lot of smaller grocery stores and companies out because they were able to sell everything cheaper and undercut prices. Yeah, yeah. they, they come now, in. But now this, they're jacking up prices. Yeah, that, that's generally what they do. They come in, they undercut everybody, 
they run everyone out of business. They then hire all of those people, pay them much less than they were making. They kind of make their workers, you know, slaves when they were almost, you know, they were running their own businesses that are kind of slaves to the Walmarts or the Costco's or whatever. Uh, and then they slowly start jacking up their prices and it's devastating to middle of America, small towns, stuff like that. Um, but you also have to remember that that data is being sold, right? Even though it may not be used. So, for example, it's not being sold to law enforcement. What if it's being sold to people who want to do research studies on, you know, the the average body type, average weight, height, that kind of uh, affirmation, uh, you know, assumptions they can make from looking at a video, right? Because you can clearly start distinguishing height, reference heights, uh, you know, how much someone may weigh, what size clothing they may wear, that kind of stuff. So, you, you know, like that information is also valuable. Same thing with ad companies make off mobile apps. Like nothing in life is free. Like, and don't think it ever is, especially <laughs> when it comes to software. <laughs> so with that kind of stuff, is that is that even something that people should be concerned with though? That kind of data being sold? Like, no, I mean, that kind of data is going to be, well, I mean, it, it, all, it all depends. Again, like I said, I don't personally care about the high waste stuff, but what I care about is that like they're selling that, hey, he was in the store on this day yes. at this time. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah. should I care about. And he spent X amount of money. Yeah. See that, that's where it starts to infringe. But I think I, I was more curious about your personal philosophy on it is whether you care about the, Oh, they know. I how mean, I, 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 I do care. I do care because again, like I said, I, I'm a firm believer that that data should not be sold. Like, sure. It's great to have cameras in case there's a crime committed. Police officers can help identify stuff. That's great. But that data should not be being sold to a Silicon Valley startup that's selling it. And, uh, you know, doing data manipulation and modeling just so they can sell you some shit. I mean, so you don't know those people. So is, are you talking about when you walk into a private establishment and they start tracking your data, you don't think that should be able to be sold? I don't think so. I think when you're in a physical location that that information shouldn't be sold because it shouldn't matter who went to the store that day and who bought what and spent what. If you use that for your own marketing, like for your own understanding, then that's fine. But there like when go. you... If you're using it to be sold to someone else to generate marketing data around other people, that's when I have a problem with it. Got it. Okay. There we go. So I, I don't know if we bled into any of the other days. I've been trying to figure out what days were what what was posted. Uh, can we kind of take it to the yeah, next? Yeah, I can get there. The next one was like, uh, you know, the next chapter was basically like, how to obtain KYC list Bitcoin, a couple of methods to do so, how to mix your transactions, how to properly shield yourself, that kind of thing. Uh, the next day, uh, I mean, and, and I don't really want to go deep into that because that's a pretty common topic. I mean, literally, if you have a question uh, about doing that the right way, install Samurai, use Whirlpool, be smart. Um, Some of the stuff you we talked about on that last episode. Yeah, yeah. You want to do KYC list Bitcoin, use altcoin mining to obtain it through a third-party exchange that doesn't do KYC. Um, exchange it into Bitcoin, move it out to a wallet. You know, I described how to use KYC wallets to mix them into KYC list wallets so that it can't be traced. Um, that that type of stuff is pretty common. And then like third day, I kind of well, went can, over can like- Can we get into what? philosophy there really quick? Do you think everybody should be doing this? Hell yeah, because it's like cash. Like the and reason- Nobody knows where your yeah. cash came from. So yes. Yeah. It's digital yeah. cash. <laughs> use it like cash. Well, I, I just know, we talked about this on the last episode as well, where, you know, I think so many people are a-okay with hopping on Coinbase, having their name, everything out there. Just because yeah. people are okay with it doesn't mean everyone is. I mean, Of again, course. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. 
Exactly. I, like I just, TikTok, everybody's okay with giving <laughs> up all that shit to them. I'm not. I'm not I am it. not okay with that bullshit. I will, I will die on that hill. TikTok is the devil. But no, yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, th- these are certain things that you recommend. Again, not everyone's going to say that they need it. You believe that they do, which is why you're putting this information out there. Um, Correct. I mean, the thing is, is that like a lot of people are needing to be spoon fed some stuff. So like if you walk people through the processes of like, hey, here's what you need to understand. This is why you need to use it. Here's the methods to get it. Here's what you can do. Here's what you shouldn't do. You know, and give people like a, a little box of guidelines, then people are more apt to experiment and try it and understand it. Whereas like most of the time people are like, oh, here's a how-to. They don't really kind of disclose the real world and they usually try to like make it sound a lot more complicated than it is. I, and if you noticed in the threads with Opvile, besides the one on breaking uh, wireless networks, I, I try to keep it at high level as possible. I mean, even when I discuss like password uh, hash cracking things like that I try to keep it at a level that anybody can understand because once I start using you know words like cryptographic functions I start going into detail about mathematic hash uh, mathematic matchmaking uh, latticework attacks things like that people will get like really 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 freaked out because they're like what the fuck's a lattice and like that's an elliptical curve cryptography break and people are like what the fuck's elliptical curve cryptography <laughs> and so like if you don't need you know like if you can keep it at high level more people can digest it and the more people that can digest it can use it for their advantage. You don't need to understand every element of what software is doing. You need to understand how to use a tool correctly. It's kind of like, you know, like going back to what I said, if it's in your wheelhouse and you understand it, you're more likely to use it. Uh, the other day, like I was, I tweeted at you, I was like, you know, I, I'm not going to use a fucking bulldozer when I need a screwdriver. You know what I mean? Like it makes no sense. And People are like, what the fuck does that even mean? And it's like, okay, just because you understand the software can do this, not understanding it is the same as using a fucking bulldozer screw and a screw, because now all of a sudden you've introduced an entire new set of problems versus what the screwdriver was, which is a tool to fix said issue of needing to screw something in. So like you need to understand those things and those are part of operational security as well as operational risk. There we go. Yeah, which is again, you know, why I'm why I'm sitting down with you today, trying to get that high level information out there to just as many people as possible, uh, kind of give them the high level overview, of the tools that they need. Uh, and to anyone who's listening to this, gonna have some links to those tweets or at least to your profile. You can find all of these. Um, so or just look at the hashtag. Luckily, nobody else has really been using it, so I'm, I'm quite happy about. It. Yeah, there we go. Um, I, I'm looking through it right now, actually, and I'm seeing pretty much just you, a couple other people, a lot of the Vile Gang. I'm seeing a lot of the Vile Gang posting about it. Um, so next on the list after the KYC list, Bitcoin, that sort of thing, there was – what was after that? Uh, I think that was day three when I was keeping it up in days. I, I dropped the days because I missed a few because I was busy uh, with a few personal matters and things like that. Uh with day three, we talked about like secure messaging, like understanding PGP, what PGP is, like uh, private public keys, like how to utilize them correctly, how a public key doesn't necessarily need to be on a public key server. You can keep public key between like you and I and only messages that you and I have with our public keys we've given to each other. Only those messages are receivable or retrievable like through us. And say you generate another public key to give to the outside world, those kind of things. Those are the processes that 
you know, even Bitcoin wallets are generated from every time you create a new address, it creates a new public key, you know, the same thing PGP does, who would have thought? Um, but that method is, is useful, uh, you know, along with like Signal, understanding like talks, uh, you know, retro share, things like that, where these tools that can be used to have communications with family members, uh, friends, associates, maybe, maybe you want to share files with people, but you don't necessarily want to use, uh, you know, a, a G Cloud or you don't want to use Dropbox. Now you have options. You can use OnionShare. You can use RetroShare. You can use a number of these tools that are open source and, and audited quite often to be able to provide to you uh, a way of communicating that doesn't compromise you. You know, another thing I went over was like property use of Tor. Like, for example, most people download Tor and you know they'll have like all these other browser windows and stuff open at that point you just might as well not even be using tor you're telling everybody on that network what you're doing anyway because it's being broadcasted out right so you know and every time you resize for example uh the browser window even on tor you can distinguish someone that's using tor based on that on a network if you sniff the traffic correctly and you know that kind of goes back to like some of the stuff i was talking about with you know how all this kind of relates is because you need to understand like, while the most people in society don't really give a shit what you're doing, that you may not be doing anything wrong, and that's fine. But do you really need me to know what you're doing? And people will say, oh, well, you know, it's, it, I don't have anything to hide. Great. You know, I'm quoting Edward Snowden. Just because you don't have anything to say, does that mean you don't need your First Amendment? Right. I mean, you know, like, there, there are in, in entitlement protections for privacy and you know i tell people all the time just like with this earn it act and you know in a break backdoor encryption people are like oh well, i don't see a problem with that great so you think that someone's magically going to have a mathematic proof uh backdoor and no one else on the world is going to find it yeah you're, you're full of yourself i mean the nazis learned that lesson right when they were using uh <laughs> encryption when they were sending messages like all it took was someone time to figure it out and and that's what the danger is when you start messing with the mathematics binding encryption cryptography once you add a back door once you open that pandora's box there's no way to close it it's there it's gone it's open there we go um so i'm looking through i, I don't know how many days you've been doing this for i, I guess i lost track of the days here um looking uh, at two days off of it like i said and then like i remember know, I we up. talked you you were doing yeah. it every day and then you know you were like i need to take a little break from it well, the reason I had to was also um, I had to confer with some people about what information I could disclose. Like even the way I worded the WPA, PSK uh, cracks, like how to break into wireless networks, I had to do so with an approach for an educational purpose, but without demonstrating how to do it on a live network. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I there, feel like there, we have to tread lightly here. <laughs> yeah, there, there are some legal ramifications that can happen if you teach <laughs> someone how to break into their neighbor's Wi-Fi. Uh, <laughs> Now I gave all the, the the stuff you need to know. Like you just got to do your research on how to to make that happen, right? So like there there's some lines there, and it's just like I was also explaining to people, you know, and, and I've tweeted this out a few times. Just because a business is closed doesn't mean their Wi-Fi is off, right? And like it's kind of a joke, but at the same time, understanding like like all the op file is is like understanding the tools that are available to you right now, understanding how to leverage them for when you need them, right? Yeah. Like, you know, we joke about it, like, oh, internet's always going to be up, cell phone's always going to be up. Well, say, for example, your cell provider is no longer up, or say, for example, you don't have access to this, and say, you know, like, well, hypothetically, or say AT&T goes down hard, 
they, they, they got, you know, attacked, whatever, which has happened, by the way, with a lot of soul companies and things like that. You get compromised. So now the ISP, everything is compromised. Say, say on a hypothetical level. Now you know someone else has cable internet from a different provider, uh, but they're a business and say you need access. How do you do that? Right? Oh, you're going to Google it with no internet? What the fuck? <laughs> Learn how to do it now instead of being in the situation where you're like, I need to rely on this tool I know of, but it's not really a tool I understand. And then that goes back to, like I said, just because, you know, like fucking <laughs> Jackhammer is a tool, screwdrivers too, they both do things with it, which one's right for the right job. And that's why I always tell people, use the right tool for the right job, but understand the tool so that you don't cut your fucking hand off. Yeah. And... I like what you're saying earlier about kind of doing your prep. I don't think any, not many people like to do their prep until they're actually in trouble. And then what good is it? Because like you're saying, internet's going to go out. You try to Google how to, how to do this stuff and you can't. So I, I think the preppers get a lot of shit for their prepping, but you know, this is kind of a similar situation where you're kind of preparing for the worst, you know, this, this pandemic has really opened people's eyes to the fact that things might not be as secure and, you know, happy-go-lucky and rainbow and sunshine as they'd like to think. Uh, and government's stepping in. They're cracking down. Uh, we could see, you know, major issues with cell, cell towers going down, outages, that kind of stuff. Uh, so I think this was a perfect time to post all of this. Well, and that's what I was telling you is that, um, you know, I told you before, it's it's times like these is when people need to understand the danger before it becomes danger. Yeah. And I think it kind of, this kind of brings it to the front of people's minds. It it, it puts it in front of them and they start to realize like, Holy shit, I know nothing. I need to learn this stuff. Uh, but sometimes it's too late or most of the time it's too late. Uh, so I, I love that you're putting this information out there. I'm, I'm kind of trying to look through them as we go to try to just stay on top of it. Um, seeing here, you talked about, what was it on day five proper vpn usage yeah uh and like understanding like you know that maybe a third-party vpn is not the right choice for you maybe it is it depends on what you're doing and your operational risk uh, as well as the risk of setting one up on your home network right like i go over that too and like kind of like the, the dangers that are there because like a lot of people just are quick to say oh just set one up yourself well there, there are operational dangers of doing that like like literally you're broadcasting your public IP to the world to see when you're doing that versus uh, versus using someone else's. So like, again, it's all about what you need. And if you don't understand the situation and you don't understand how to address the situation, how are you ever going to learn unless someone else provides that, right? Like, unless someone else literally goes out and says, hey, this is what you need to do. Like, like here's how you look at this. Here, Here's how you weigh these things up. And so- that's... Can That's we my kind goal of, with all this. Can we kind of weigh the two options there just for the people listening now yeah, uh, sure. who haven't been through that thread? You know, what's what are the pros and cons of each um, for my audience? Yeah, yeah sure. So, like, uh, third-party providers such as, like, NordVPN, ProtonVPN, things like that, they may or may not sell their data. But they're also subject to law enforcement, and they're also subject to a lot of other things where, you know, they may be audited and they have to provide out uh, log files and data regarding what you've done on certain dates and times, stuff like that, just like your ISP is. Now, when you start talking about, like, setting up your own, you may also become a victim of law enforcement subpoenas, things like that. Um, and, and that's why, you know, I, 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 I caution the use of 
of VPN. I try to tell people use Tor, but use it correctly as much as possible. But if you have to use a VPN, understand the risks that are involved there. And the biggest risk is what law enforcement can do if you're within the United States. Now, in some countries, they don't care, like Sweden, they have a little more lax policy, things like that. But like when you're over here, say for example, even if they, <clears throat> even if you get in trouble for some petty shit and they think you used a VPN, they're going to try to get the logs from the VPN provider, even though it may not have anything to do with the crime you committed, they will. And like, it's, it's crazy to see how far reaching law enforcement will go just to get as much as they can, because guess what? Maybe your interaction didn't seem that much, but maybe you interacted with someone else they were looking for. Now all of a sudden they have a correlation. You see what I mean? And, and that data is, that data can, you know, get people in trouble who may or may not be doing the most savory of things. I don't know. I don't judge. People are people, right? And you, you have to look at it like that. Like, what are you compromising by using these? And what happens when you compromise your data to law enforcement or any other agency who has access to that? You have to really look at it like There we go. Yeah, it's funny. For my audience especially, I think most of the people who are using a VPN use it to log on to BitMEX, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah, but even then, that's technically illegal, and like a lot of people don't see it like Yeah, see, that's the issue. They're they're like, it's A-OK. Yeah, but it's not. Exactly. And that just because you can log into BitMEX or for a VPN doesn't mean that there's not legal ramifications for logging into uh, Bitmax. I mean, technically, you can get in trouble for a lot of stuff. I mean, it's hard to, they're not really pursuing it, but who's to say they won't start? Yeah. I mean, right now, governments need money because, uh, well, people aren't outside as much, and there's only so many tickets you can give to people when they're doing dumb stuff. Right. You know, these types of cases are big money for them because there's money, they can call it money laundering, even racketeering in some cases, that kind of stuff, depending on what you're doing. Depending on what I, uh, banks and stuff like that, you can, you're using, it can become very, very tricky. Yeah, so I was actually going to ask, you know, what what they can kind of hit you for for just simply logging on to BitMEX and losing your money to Arthur. Well, they, you know, if you're losing money to Arthur, they probably won't get on to you. But <laughs> if you're gaining a lot of money, they'll probably get you for laundering, uh, you know, practice, or, or they probably get you for gambling outside the, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know all the legal stuff on that because I'm not a lawyer, um, and I haven't cared enough to do my research on legalities or transpire around that but there are some uh and there are people who do get flagged from the irs for doing so so tread lightly but tread smartly yeah of course of course i feel like for the most part a lot of my followers are you know not winning large sums of money on bitmax so not the biggest concern uh, but there well, are people. Arbitrage, yeah, your arbitrage group is doing much better in your business. <laughs> right. Awesome. Yeah, those those guys are making money. Everyone that I know that trades on Bitmax, other than like a very select few, I would say, um, those guys are doing well. Everyone else is kind of complaining and crying about Arthur stealing their money, myself included. Um, of course. Okay, so was there anything else? I think the days stopped. Then was there more to the? Opvile posts that you would like to get into. Yeah, yeah. So we went into like, uh, you know, password or hashing. Uh, actually, let me pull all this stuff out because I ever get all the days off top. Right. Of my yeah. Head. No, I'm trying. I'm trying to look through it as well because they kind of just all blended together eventually. Yeah, everybody. You know, a lot of people were looking at you know some of the stuff. So like day five, we were discussing the VPN. What was it after that? We did. Uh... Oh yeah, I did a whole section on returning with understanding uh understand password cracking and like uh 
basically I went over the use of like Hashcat, mass processing, uh, understanding how to generate word lists, what a word list is used for. Uh, and all of that was a precursor for breaking into wireless networks because you have to understand how like, you know, creation of a hash works, what a hash is, how to decipher a hash, how to make sure that if you're going to crack it, you got like brute force and you have mask attacks, which brute force are now kind of phased out. Mask attack is basically, uh, it attempts to uh, create in uh, parallel all the potential hashes at one time. Now, uh, as many of you know, uh, many of your listeners may or may not know, this is important for like, uh, say for example, you look at a database dump and you wanna see what someone's password is or a piece of encryption. If you follow that thread, you can get a list and look at see what kind of hash mechanism was used and you can start deciphering how to break that hash. And that's critical to understand that, you know, it could be used for nefarious reasons. That's not my, that's not my priority or prerogative. However, I'm also not opposed for people using it to learn and to, to behave in such a way as to gain a more understanding of information security. Because literally, if you can break some database dump you got off the internet, just think about how easy it was to get that database dump to begin with. And that should tell you a lot about the companies and businesses that we trust data with. Yeah, that, that gets into a whole mess of things. Uh, really quick for you, because you said some of this stuff can be used for nefarious reasons. Correct. Everything can. I mean, just, just like any other thing. I mean, screw, again, going back to tools, screwdriver can be used to kill someone. Yeah. It should be, but it can. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, do you ever think that this information that you are putting out there can get into the wrong hands or it is getting into the wrong hands? It's already in the wrong hands. If people are already, like the people who I'm trying to educate on this are the people who are most likely not to use it in the wrong way. There we people go. are going to use it in a nefarious way they already are this they, is, yeah this, this is cherry-picked hacker <laughs> bullshit most of us already knew this is this is basic information that is all already pretty much known the, the, this is like 101 class for infosec and like uh how to understand basic principles and you know like uh you know one of the next topics i'm going to go over is like backups like how to safely store backup data um and, and like understanding you know, using tools like GPG or PGP, which are the same, one's GNU version, one's not. Uh, and GNU is the GNU is not Unix, Free Software Foundation. Um, and basically what that means is that, you know, how to safely store your backups, whatever that data may be. And then your users may use it to back up their, their private keys. They may use it to back up uh, pictures of their, their, their families. They may use it to, to make their own password manager. I don't know, that's not my thing, that's theirs. And the advantage of that is they control it versus allowing some third party to control it or host it on their database. You see what I mean? And that gives power back to the user. And once you start reclaiming some of this and you start being kind of responsible for yourself, the concept of like, you know, all the, the crypto nerds are always like, be your own bank. Well, that becomes a little easier to understand <laughs> how you can be your own provider for the, your own information, right? And that's a critical step. Like a lot of people don't understand that. and. I'm trying to just gently ease people into seeing how much reliance we have on third parties to realize the dangers of what third parties are. And all of that information is used against us, whether we want to see it as a threat or not. But like me, for example, I'm not a fan of, if I'm talking about someone in a physical location, the next thing I know someone that may be using Facebook is seeing ads for us talking about that, or, you know, about that subject matter. That's yeah. dangerous. Yeah, that, that shit's scary. And I feel like that's stuff that everyone can relate to. They've, it's happened to everybody. And you've seen the memes about it and people post about it all the time. Like, 
oh yeah, I was talking about this starts showing up. Um, so that, that's a huge issue. And I feel like that's a great way for people to kind of understand how dangerous this can be. Oh yeah. And, and it's extremely dangerous. Uh, and you know, just the thing is, is you have to understand what your operational danger is, right? Like everybody has an attack surface and, or an attack vector. And you'll hear an info space like, oh, what's your attack surface on your application? Things like that. Think of your life as an attack surface. What is something and what is most likely to be compromised to you if a bad actor is around and what is the most damage they can do? And I don't mean like family member or anything like that. I'm talking about what if someone outside, and most attacks usually come from internal, meaning someone you do know, but they were, they were pretty obvious that they were going to do it. Uh, as most of them get, you know, they get served with papers, that kind of stuff, and they go to jail for it. But um, sometimes, even like we were talking about, who you may know, someone else may want to get to know that person too and leverage you or even break in, compromise your DMs, that kind of stuff. And, and people don't realize the danger there. Um, because all it takes, man, is I can give you a malformed link right now and you can click it. And, you know, anytime you fire up a certain software, I'll be able to track what you're doing and, you know, it's not just me that can do that. You can Google how to do that. And literally, <laughs> it, it's not even like it's secret. It's yeah. there. It's out there. It's easy to do. I This I, this, was, this is this is phishing 101, like, yeah. you know, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. Um, <laughs> we can get into regular good, phishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like regular <laughs> for something, phishing. Yeah, for um, something lighter. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it's the same principles, right? Like, like you're just throwing bait out there to see who bites. And, you know, like the Nigerian print scams and stuff like that. Like, people fill for them all the time. Yeah. See, and, uh, like, we, we laugh at that kind of stuff because it's, like, so absurd to us. But people fall for that kind of stuff. The reason uh, people fall for that is because they became targeted from either an email list or their email was compromised. They seen who they talked to. And from seeing who they talked to, they could derive that, all right, this person's lonely. And, you know, like a lot of these scams have gotten really sophisticated where they start hitting on emotional strings, like, uh, you know, the, they'll harp on someone who's had a loss recently or, or a divorce uh, or, or even in some cases, like one of the most sophisticated ones I've seen recently was uh, a friend of mine disclosed this information to me like uh, two months ago. Uh, his wife had had a miscarriage and she had made a comment about something on a forum that she thought was anonymous. However, the someone had tracked the user email and turned around and broke into her email, figured out who she had talked to as her best friend and started pretending to be someone that knew one of her good friends. And from there, he, you know, obviously she kind of was smart enough to realize what was going on, but basically she showed him all of this and was like, what in the fuck? And like, that's just a common attack vector. Now it seems silly, but you have to remember, uh, if someone can spend three hours worth of work, turn around and get $150,000 worth of credit ran up in your name, that's three hours that translated to $150,000. That's a pretty good ROI for <laughs> research. I mean, I just say. Yeah. And, 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 and a lot of people also ask me all the time, how hard is hacking? Hacking is 98% research, 1% execution, 1% balls. That's it. You, you just have to have the ability to understand to execute. 98% of your time is spent researching and the execution is nothing more to understand and have the confidence to be able to do it. And that's it. And social engineering is still the best hacking uh, resource anyone can have. And, you know, I say social engineering, people are like, what do you mean? It's like, well, when you can pretend 
with the right amount of data, with the right amount of everything, like businesses fall for the shit all the time. They get oh, yeah. passwords, disclosures, you know, like you, you know, someone's phone number. So you spoof the phone number, you call in, say, Hey man, I, uh, I'm busy. You kind of talk from a distance. They can't really recognize your voice. You say, Hey, I need access to this server. Can you give me the, 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 the user password for this? And voila, it happens all the time because people believe it. Just like these scammer phone calls that spoof numbers, you know, now, I mean, again, it's about sophistication and as technology gets more sophisticated, so do scammers. And so do people who are not looking out for your best interests. And, you know, and, and all of this educational stuff, my goal is, is hopefully some people take away how to protect themselves and, and also understanding what attack surfaces are there for people to exploit. I love it. I, I think you are giving people the tools and you are making it extremely easy to understand. Cause I feel like, to a lot of people, this is very complex stuff, uh, but you're able to break it down very easily. I think your your knowledge and your expertise allows you to do that, and uh, it's one of the reasons I enjoyed our first conversation and this conversation as well. But knowledge and expertise come from doing. Right? Yeah, like that's the first, that, that's the only thing I can tell you, and that's that's kind of why I'm making this stuff as I go. Is like people are asking me, hey, can you do you know? Um, backups backups and like protect my home network you know things like that and and like that's some of the subject matters that are coming because like unless you've done it you don't know how to actually do it securely yeah so unless someone else can walk you through a crayola level like hey this is what you need to understand this is why you need to do this this is best practice and this this is why you want to follow this is because you still have attack vectors but you've limited them to, to very minute vectors and the smaller the vector, the easier it is to monitor the vector, right? Because at that point, you're being able to keep an eye on things you don't understand or things that you can see. You may not understand it, but you can tell when something's wrong. There we go. Yeah, you 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 do a great job of this. I, I feel like you make Thank it very you. easy. I'm excited to see what comes. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I think this is important for everybody for two reasons I wanted to do this episode or three, I should say. One, I enjoy talking to you very much. Uh, online and the last episode um so i appreciate that it's a lot of it still over my head you're you're way too smart for me but i still like sitting down uh the second reason is this overstepping that we are seeing with this pandemic that's going on uh the overstepping from corporations with your data and then the government as well just with how laws are being set up um, so that was the second reason. And the third reason is, you know, this is the cryptocurrency industry. I feel like security is a big issue and a lot of people like to hear about it. Um, you're shaking your head there. Is that, did I say something, did I say something well, wrong? <laughs> all right. So the, so when COVID ends and conferences go back up, I want you to do you and me a favor. Okay. Yeah. I want you to go to a conference. I want you to join the public Wi-Fi. And I want you to turn on Wireshark. And I want you to, I'll give you the filter. Uh, and, and what I want you to look for is mnemonic phrases. And the reason why is because the amount of keys, private keys, uh, uh, and the phrases are being trans, like sent over public networks that are not encrypted and, and not using SSL and just broadcasting their, their private keys if, at these things is amazing. I, I mean, just <laughs> amazing. Uh, I was in San Francisco at the Blockchain Economic Forum, right? I had Wireshark up for all of uh, probably three minutes. And in that three minutes, me and a, uh, another guy named Connor, we were able to extract 12 keys. Now, we did not use them in any way, shape, or form, nor do we care. It was the ability to see them 
was the appalling part because that means that people did not care enough to protect that information, which should tell you a lot about the people that are in this industry. Either you have people who are technically sound, understand the risk and, and take action against it. And then you have the cheerleaders. And when you have the cheerleaders, the problem is cheerleaders have this tendency to not understand anything that they're actually cheering about. And so what happens is, is like, you quite literally have a bunch of dumbasses broadcasting private keys who may be hedge fund managers and things like that just because they made 50 bucks on a, on a pump. You know what I mean? Yeah. So well, I actually got into it today with Mr. Pierre and, uh, mm. that, Speaking of, he just responded to some tweet about Bitcoin fixes me. I, 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 I don't even understand that. Like, okay, bro. Yeah. You know, I, you know he, he blocks me, but then he, he tries to respond to my tweets. I don't, I don't get it. I, I um, don't know. I, I had a rough one today with just like him and like, a lot of the followers, you know, they're I, that high, bro. I just high. don't think they're the smartest people, you know, just not the brightest people. Um, they're autistic and economic. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's what it was. And we, we talked about a lot of this stuff, um, you know, on the last episode. And you're right. Yes. A lot of people don't care, don't know enough. Uh, like you said, <laughs> 12, you know, it's, it's insane to me that you were able to do that. Um, but for the people that do care a little bit more, I wanted this episode to be out there so that they can take those extra steps. Yeah, and of course. And I, and I encourage people to also further their learning, right? Like doing your own research. It's hilarious. Like even the, uh, what was it a few days ago? Like somebody was like, Oh, Bitcoin never been hacked. And they're talking about their maximum. So, so it's like, you never research shit because literally <laughs> August 2010 that happened value overflow. And they're like, Oh, well that was before it's mainstream. Uh, that's still a, a hack. <laughs> hack. Just, just, yeah, yeah. Just because it's not mainstream at the time in which it happened, it's still a compromise. And what people don't understand is that some of the software that's still being used to this day is very rudimentary uh, in, in the context that it has never been improved, it's never been optimized, it's never went through a lot of security audits. Now it's starting to. You're starting to see companies review and be scrutinizing and things like that. However, it wasn't happening for, for the first eight years, seven years, Bitcoin, you know, or any of this. Like, like, And people are so quick to rely on a tool. You also have to understand that in security that there's no silver bullet. Nothing fixes everything. Nothing's going to keep you safe. You're only as safe as your understanding of using the tool. That's the only safety you can provide. The tool can be completely audited, be validatable, safe, everything like that but still you can disclose things that you may not intentionally do that compromise you or your uses of said software. And the risk of all of that and where people really fail to, to grasp is that all of that, once it's on a log file somewhere, it's out there. It's not hidden. <laughs> like everything is being recorded from an ISP level and a network level. Always think that something's being recorded. And that's how you should behave when you're dealing with this stuff. You should use strong encryption, use uh, cryptography correctly, use tools that protect your anonymity and your privacy. It, if you don't want to be anonymous, fine. I'm not anonymous. Now, there are times in which I am and, and you know, my old Twitter account is and stuff like that. And that anonymity, I value because certain things I don't want to be dealing with questioning about. And the reason why is because was it bad? No. Do, do people want to ask questions? Yeah. People still fucking talk about some of it on Bitcoin talk and stuff, and I don't want to deal with it. And so you have to look at it from a standpoint of where you are acceptable with your opening up for disclosure of what you may or may not have done or what accounts you may or may not be tied to. And that goes back to, like I said before, 4chan is 
still literally everybody hates it but like, i love it because it's like the last safe haven on the internet where i don't have to tell people jack shit about me and i can still participate in a conversation about subject matter that i want to yeah i we talked about this one last time as well um 4chan's a, a mess in my eyes it's all pornography and biz is just green and red woe jacks and Everyone's shilling scams to each yeah, other. That's B, but like pull, you got pull, you got you got yeah. everything else. You got BG, you got all this. And, and you know, like all of it boils down to what people need. And that's why the conversations on there can get up really in depth to those yeah. because nobody is sitting there trying to ruin someone else's life for a comment they made because they don't know who made it. And that's the glorious part. You should not care what someone has to say and try to ruin their life over it. If someone has something to say, fucking let them say it. But the problem is, is that on Twitter and other platforms, just like with what Carbon dealt with, you know, you'll get deplatformed if people don't like what you say. Even if it's just a funny meme, you could have laughed off. You got people like Samson and them who screamed and freaked out and deplatformed me. And, you know, meanwhile, you have this crew of people, and this goes back to the cheerleaders, who want to champion censorship resistance, but then they want to censor people that challenge the echo chamber. And so you have this weird paradigm of stupidity and shit and hypocrisy. And so, like, people like me are just like, you know, I don't give a fuck. You don't like me? Mute me, block me. Fuck off. Like, I really don't. I don't I'm, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I, I promise you. <laughs> I well, promise see, you I'm not. You you get to do that kind of stuff because you have no real brand. You know, I think all of these guys are trying to sell something here to the rest of the community. You're just here. You're you're providing information. You're providing, you know, tools and knowledge. Bro, that... I have a brand. People fucking ask me all the time to do stuff like, hey, man, can you can you show this? Okay, can you can you give your blessing? I'm like, fuck off. Yeah, like if right. it's something I if it's something I use just on my own. I will give you all the props in the world. I will recommend it to everyone. I, I will tell everyone about it because it's, it's something that I see value in. Uh, outside of that, I'm not going to be able to because, like, literally, it's just it's not worth it. Like, you know, and, and I don't have a problem with people that do. I just don't. Yeah. And so, like, you know, these these maxis. Just like earlier, I made the comment about buy one of the buy my bags, buy buy my socks, <laughs> buy my That's that's so <laughs> true though. It's, but it it's, is. Yeah, it's the art, the shirts, the the hats, the the bullshit that they're trying to sell along with this narrative that Bitcoin's gonna make everyone rich and retire, and it's this beautiful Dude, it's thing. A, they're trying to make it a lifestyle brand. Uh, it really it's isn't. So it's so fu- it's so fucked up because, like, you know, um, I wish more people would use GPG as as a lifestyle brand. Like, hey, I fucking believe in good privacy. You know. And a lot of people think that you need a special email server or something. No, no, no. With GPG, you can use your Gmail. You can use your iCloud. Like, matter of fact, I have an iCloud public key. If anybody figures it out, good for you. Add me, send me your key. We can communicate via privately. I don't give a fuck. Hell, go for it. Uh, the thing is, is like, well, mine's on pgpmit.edu, so you can find mine. That's easy to find. If you it, And guess what? My name is actually my name, so... Which shocks me. Still shocks me. (laughs) Dude, dude, that's because Cointelegraph ran an article about me and put my fucking name in quotes like it was a fake name. Yeah, right. Daniel Jones is a very fucking fake name, in my opinion. (laughs) For somebody who's trying to be anonymous, they're like, all right, let me go as normal as possible. (laughs) You go John Smith, Daniel Jones. Yeah, yeah, Daniel Jones is a very common name. And, like, you can, you know, the thing is, is, like, it, it is my name though. Like, and I, I don't, and, and you know, all that stemmed from that. But like, once I put it in quotes, 
people seriously took me differently. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, this dude's a jackass. He's a liar. His real name's not Daniel. No, my actual name is Daniel. Um, and, you know, like, again, I just don't care to some level. Yeah. Now, you know, of course, like, people don't know certain personal information. Some people do. Some people know, you know, like, where I'm from, where I live, you know, that kind of stuff. And I don't care. But yeah. those people are people I chose to disclose that to in a way that was proper disclosure, utilizing encryption tools or cryptography tools such as, you know, uh, PGP uh, or using, like, you know, what uh, ephemeral messages with, like, burst chat, things like that. I, I provide and educate people on, you know, there are tools out there. And, you know, like, when I say ephemeral, people are like, what do you mean? And it's, like, disappearing. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, you, there's no logs. There's no way of capturing it. You have to be listening to the mempool. And if it's encrypted, which it should be, you're not going to be able to see what was said. And you cannot prove who an ID may be owned by unless that person just closes the ownership of the ID. So, like, you have methods to the mayhem of tools that you can use. Just people oftentimes get so stuck on this idea that just what everyone else is using is what I should be using or what the norm is doing, just like TikTok. Facebook and everything else. Like, yeah, I used to have a Facebook account. Yeah. Turn that bitch off and yeah, fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no TikTok, if no I, Facebook. I, we got Twitter though for some reason. We were drawn yeah, to but Twitter. So, but but so on. When it comes to Twitter though, Twitter's great. Cause I can just use that as my soapbox to tell people to fuck off. <laughs> and I see I don't have to worry about anybody's opinion of me. I don't have to worry about anything. I can mute my notifications if I can have a beer roll a joint somewhere who gives a shit but like when you start looking at like facebook people are like oh my god you know so and so i'm gonna tell so and so you said the fuck off. <laughs> yeah twitter is a bunch of randoms that you can just tell the fuck off uh but no there's two things that are that i think were huge there and that's that you have disclosed some of this information but it has been on your terms and this kind of Correct. goes back to the kind of general overview of this interview it's you need to take the power back you need to allow your information to get out there on your terms uh, and not let the government or these corporations overstep their boundaries. Um, so, and I think you're a champion of this. And then, you know, lastly, I mentioned, you know, CT uh, being anonymous on Twitter. It's funny that you're, you're one of, like I keep saying, the most high profile guys on there. You've got your not high profile. Uh, no, no, asshole. Okay. No, 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 not high profile in that sense. But like, I, I'll, uh, I'll, you know, boost your ego here a little bit. One of the more important people in the industry, I should say. I wouldn't go that far either. <laughs> no, I appreciate the compliment. But like, you I know, always, the thing like, is, I always is, like to hide like, my guests up. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm a realist, man. Like I, I don't play into the games of like, I don't try to be more than what I am. And I don't try to be a part of something that I don't you know, fully participate in. And like, you know, it's kind of like people ask me all the time. Why don't you like Lightning Network? Why don't you like this? It's like, well, of course, those break away from things, but they don't understand the attack surfaces that are going to be used, right? Like, like I cannot support something that can directly violate some of the core principles of why I use a piece of software. And, you know, all the time people are like, oh, you're just a no-coiner. You're just a, no, fuck you. You don't know me. You think you do. <laughs> you just don't like me because I don't fucking, I don't, I don't cup your balls and, and put some talcum powder on there and say, oh, yes, oh, yes, it's great to be a No, <laughs> think, fuck off. I think that Keep one upsets that me the, the most is I, I even just today I had somebody, oh, this uh, 2017 shit coiner 
who doesn't own any Bitcoin. And it just frustrates me the most out of anything, I think, for people to say that. Cause it's like, no, all of that is wrong. I hate that you're saying that and that you think that. But I think that's what irks me the most. But no, hold on really quick. Going back to what I was saying is your face is out there. Your real name is out there. Uh, and then you got people like me. I'm anonymous just because I'm ugly and I like to be mysterious. <laughs> but uh, a lot of people, you know, on Twitter, they're worried about their security. So they stay anonymous or they try to be anonymous. Um, so I was just wondering if you wanted to give us like your, your biggest tip on kind of staying anonymous and secure online. I know there's a lot to it. So, so you can either be anonymous, pseudo-anonymous, or proper disclosure. I do proper disclosure. People can know my name. People can know certain things about me, but never give specific dates for certain things because that can tie you to situation stuff. And then they can find out a lot more for me, like doxing you, things like that. Now I've been doxed. People know certain things about me. People send me death threats. People have sent a, a letter to my house. Uh, people have done a lot of fucked up that shit. That one's wild uh, to me. Uh, it, it's fine. That person, uh, right now they're trying their best to buy me out of taking it to the next level. But Let's just say when that tweet story comes out, it'll be hilarious. But it happened last September. I, I, I honestly me. don't Please tag me. Oh, I, I will. I will. You won't have to worry about it. You'll see, you'll see thousands of people talking about it. Like the thing, is, the thing is, is all of that stems from when people get angry online, instead of dealing with why they got angry, they take to those types of actions. So it is better to understand that if you are going to shake the hive, I mean, like I do, and throw fucking you know, balls of mud at a hornet's nest, you need to understand what's going to happen. And those hornets have this tendency to be blindly stupid enough to follow what everyone else says is okay. However, they get upset. Like, for example, I've never doxxed anyone, but uh, a lot of these pseudo-anonymous Maxi accounts, I know who they are, IRL. I've had beers with them, and they know that. And so that's why a lot of them back off because I'm not going to do that, but they'll, they'll try to encourage people to do it. I'm like, go ahead. I was like, but the thing is, you got to remember, you want to take the gloves off and you want to fight like a little bitch. I mean, I can be a bitch about yeah. it too, but <laughs> see, you're you someone really that people don't, don't want to fuck with. Well, no, it's not that I wouldn't even do that. I would just take it and drop it off on a forum and be like, yo, here's this motherfucker's info. Go do what the fuck you want. I don't even need to make it public on Twitter. Just do your shit. Do, back, do what you do best. Back to 4chan. And, no, 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 dude. I put it on a couple of, a couple of forums on, uh, on tour. Um, uh, even on 4chan, nobody would care. I mean, the thing is, is like people, people who dox other people and, and attack them in that way, uh, there's a bit of a moral high ground on the internet that you don't do that. Right? Yeah. Like even in hacker communities, you just don't do that. Yeah. Because the second you do that, it's you're you're asking for personal endangerment. Like yeah, yeah, that could really an argument on Twitter or something like that. You're calling somebody a bitch or you're making fun of them. Who cares? The second you start posting information that can be used against them to, you know, damage uh, where they work or, or cause them financial struggles, that kind of shit, you really, really have to be mindful that you are putting them in a situation that can damage their livelihood. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but like, if you try to fuck with my money, I'm a fuck with you. And, yeah. but I'm not going to fuck with you directly. I'm going to just hand that shit off to some motherfuckers. That ain't got nothing to lose. And just be like, yo bro, um, do what you do. <laughs> that, I'll, I'll send you some, I'll send you some Monero, I'll send you some Monero, hear no evil or see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil. I don't give a fuck. You know, just toss me up the address. I'll see you over some XMR. We'll be done. Have a little fun. Do, do what you do. 
Oh and, god, and, I gotta not ever piss you off. No, dude, like, 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 <laughs> the, the way to get me to do something like that is if you endanger my family. Yeah, you endanger my loved ones. You endanger my friends. You endanger my livelihood in a way that compromised it, right? Like, you could tell. Like, for, for example, most of my bosses over the history, if you were to tell them that I was an asshole to you on the internet, they would have been like, uh, well, you need to nut up, buttercup. Shut the fuck up. But like, like, think about it. He works for me, and he's the same way. Like, he's still an asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I, so, I, fuck anyone who doxes people. on the, Like, that's like that, so, I go, think, is a low blow. But, going to the proper disclosure though, right? Like like certain people you trust, but you don't build trust blindly. You build trust over people who have proven themselves to you. Like I have friends of mine that like I go see in New York and stuff like that. We don't talk unless one of us is going to be in an area the other one is. Yeah. Reason why is because we don't need to other people to know that we're going to meet up. You know, like last uh what was it in January I was posting like, you know, conversations I was having with people who have been in Bitcoin as long as I had and who had seen what we call the fall of Rome and seeing everything that, you know, all this cypherpunk mentality shit was working towards to see it all being thrown away by cheerleaders and shit, but also seeing the, the, the mindset change of like, no longer was it like cool to keep it in the streets and, and like do, you know, questionable things with like you would with cash. Now all of a sudden everybody's like, Oh, it needs to have, you know, the bankers. And shit. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but the banks are the reason fucking Bitcoin started to begin yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, like why institutions are coming. Yeah. <laughs> We don't need institutions here. The only institution some of these motherfuckers need is a goddamn psych ward or rehab <laughs> facility. I mean, hey, I'm we like we talked about last time. I'm partially here for the investment, the monetary gain. There's nothing come, wrong with that. Though. I know, There's I know. Wrong, yeah. We talked about that, and so for people like that, you know, when they say institute, we need institutions. Yeah, sure. Like if you think that'll pump your bags champion for that but pamp them baby pamp the bags yeah 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 and like we we both talked about that it's okay that you know some people are here for that other people are here to kind of take control of their money um but so i i'm the same way i've met up with a couple people disclosed information to a select few uh but just for general security is there anything else that you think the anon people on twitter should should know to kind of keep their anon anonymity on so one internet. of the things to be mindful of is going back to using like the burner phones to tie your Twitter account to things like that. Uh, you know, making sure that if you do need to give someone a phone number, uh, you don't use Google voice, use a burner number, um, use telegram. If you can use another software, uh, that does not require you to have a real phone number. Um, purpose of that is, is that while it seems silly that you need to give someone a fake phone number the fact is you don't know what that person's intents are you really don't you don't know what their intention is you you have no idea like and, and that that can be kind of the hard problem with proper disclosure you need to understand who this person is if you don't understand who this person is who their associations with to some level where you haven't looked into like okay who they interacted with and like you know people that you may know to kind of confer with like okay what's this what's that you need to understand that because if you don't, you could literally just be handing over your private information to someone else that could be used against you. And remember, it's not hard to get your private eye license and it's not hard to figure out someone's real name from a phone number. I mean, matter of fact, you don't even need to know much. You can give somebody, you can give Intellius somebody your uh, fucking phone number for, what I think it's $15 a month. They'll give you their address and billing information too. So, I mean, yeah. And you don't even need to be an agent or, or yeah, a registered person for that. You can use that. 
it really is crazy how much information you can get uh, just from, you know, a couple small pieces of information. Exactly. And also what I always tell people is that, you know, yeah, some people have come at me, everything like that. But remember this. Uh, if someone's willing to go the route of trying to scare you in that way, chances are they're a pussy because if they were, uh, you know, ballsy enough to get pissed off about something you said on the internet and come confront you in real life, that means they already have other problems. So chances are, <laughs> like, like, like it's the fucking internet. Like what happened? Like in the nineties, everybody shit posted, everybody hated each other and it was great. It was beautiful. Nobody cared. And then all of a sudden you had this movement of the social justice warrior, the PC the culture. culture. Fuck yeah, all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, seriously. Like who the fuck cares what someone says? Like if words bother you that fucking much, mute them, block them, walk away. Yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah. Don't fuck. You don't have to put up with it. You can leave. Just like you can mute or block them. Oh. People are like, Oh, I don't like to mute or block. I don't either, but I do mute people. I don't block people though. I do not block people. Yeah. And the re actually there's one person I did block. And that was because I think she was doing recon work. And that was Lena uh, during the whole <laughs> thing. And that was because, like, literally she, she she had blocked me and I made this comment. And then one day I noticed she had unblocked me. So I blocked her back because she was doing recon work on, on Carbon and what we were talking about in public channels and stuff. And, you know, like, again, understanding attack risk, right? And, and like, you know, people think, oh, well, I blocked somebody. They can't see what I said. Well, you can still be deplatformed. I mean, you can still be canceled. You can still become a victim because all someone's got to do is fire up an incognito window and look at what you're saying. I mean, it's yeah. not hard. Yeah, yeah. It's very easy to get around the blocks. But, you know, I think for me, I, I generally fire a block back if somebody has blocked me just so, you know, uh, level playing ground, I would say. My favorite is just like what I was telling you a few minutes ago, right? Like Pierre commented on one of the conversations we're having on Twitter right now. I think he blocks both of us, doesn't he? Uh, I I am still able to see him. I don't know about after today's shenanigans. When Charles, I, just, did I lose you. Uh, a little bit. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. There I, you I go. was saying, did, uh, did does Pierre Richard block you? No. So I mean, I, I saw him commenting on my stuff today. So like, he I don't commented on something about that I said. It's yeah, like, I don't. I don't know if I'm blocked or not. But uh, I, but see, that's the stupidity that happens, right? Like people want to play these games, and it's like. First of all, I mute people because I don't want to hear what they say. Now, I will go check sometimes, see what they've said, just out of general curiosity, uh, because if I muted them before and it's because they're like a mouth-breathing idiot, then chances are I want to look at them. But like if I muted them because they just kept spamming my notifications over something stupid that they thought they were like a dog with a bone with, then yeah, I'll mute them and then sometimes I'll mute them. A lot of times I unmute them. Just like sometimes people get worked up emotionally online and have to mute them for the day. And like when it comes to proper disclosure, the types of people who spam your notifications are the types of people that you have to be the most worried about. Yeah, 100%. Because yeah, they're uh, emotional. And when they think on emotion, they don't think clearly a lot. Well, this whole talk was making me think, you know, I really got to be careful about just calling people out for it was a joke. You know, I made a joke on the internet and somehow it turned into this tweet storm i got 50 notifications from him and 20 other people about how i'm wrong and i'm a terrible person and i shouldn't be in this industry and it's like holy shit guys i made a joke um but dude i, I get shit all the time just like that cringe fucking post i made the other night right like some of these people are cringy motherfuckers <laughs> and you know like 
people were like, oh shit. Like, like, you know, like the exposure of that one, that, that tweet blew up. And oh, I was yeah. just like, what? I, I'm retweeting that shit for sure. When I, uh, like I, I saw it, I was like, I gotta get this out to more people. <laughs> Cause <laughs> I agree. Is, is like, but like, the thing is, is like you read some of these people's talks and, and this is like fucking crazy shit. And like, I just don't care about it. And like, the thing is, is when you go back to proper disclosure, those people compromises. Yeah. And those compromises can be the danger, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's where it can actually run into more than just joking around on the internet and can get very serious. Um, and that's the dangerous part. Exactly. So I actually have another interview at five, which is in eight minutes from now. Yeah, no worries, man. Let's wrap this up. Is there any? Yeah, is there anything else you want my audience to know before we go? Uh, just follow, look for the op vital stuff. Do your own re like, do research. Really understand the devices you use. Understand the software you use, and understand what you're willing to compromise. There we go. And uh, to anyone out there from point one, take advantage of this opportunity where you can wear your mask, your glasses, Fuck a bandana. Yeah. Get out there. Buy this stuff now uh, because this window of opportunity is going to be gone soon. Uh, so th thank you so much for coming on. I'll have a link to some of the tweets, your Twitter uh, people can go check this stuff out and hopefully follow along and continue to follow yeah, along. And, uh, I, I want to add one more thing. Like, if somebody has questions, they want to ask stuff, you know, tell them they're feel free to DM. My DMs are open. But understand that, like, I get flooded with trash every day, but I will do my best to help. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I remember you saying something very similar last episode. Uh, so I really appreciate you opening up your DMs to my audience. If anyone has a question, please feel free to reach out. You can try to hit me up. I probably won't know the answer. I'll probably send send them your hey, way. And remember, be America as fuck. Use this <laughs> shit to your advantage to do fuck like to be prepared in case you gotta do shit. Yeah, this is the land of the free. Let's take that shit back. <laughs> Hey, look, I got the American flag in the background. Right, American yeah, flag yeah, yeah. drinking a PBR. I love it. Perfect end of the episode. Thank you again so much for You're taking welcome, the time, man. man.